cow, folks. We made it. It's official. It's 2023. I am so excited to be starting the year off with a bang. Um, thanks for joining us here on the Rec Poker Podcast. I'll just jump right into, if you, if you don't know what Rec Poker is all about, first of all, thanks for joining us for the very first time. Uh, but we're a very enthusiastic group of recreational poker players. Um, we're amateurs. We love the game. We study together. Uh, we've got this community of people that uh, we celebrate together. We commiserate together. We learn from each other's mistakes. It's a lot of fun. Most of it's free. Um, so I have to start by thanking our sponsors, uh, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. They're the best, and we appreciate their support. Um, and of course, our premium members. We couldn't get by without the support of our premium membership. Uh, we've got two new premium members since the last time you heard me yammering out on the airwaves here on Monday night. Uh, Carl Gustafson. I'm excited to welcome Carl. I uh, haven't had a chance to get to know him yet, but he joined recently. Uh, our first uh, me uh, member from Sweden, I believe. We have a member uh, from Norway in Tron Vidar Stensby, but we are taking over Scandinavia. So I'm excited to be welcoming uh, Carl Gustafsson to the uh, group. And from all, all the way around the world, the one and only Merv Harvey. Some of you might know Merv Harvey as uh, the one of the hosts of the Post Flop Poker Podcast, a fantastic show uh, that ran quite a series of episodes out of Australia with Ben and a few other uh, fun folks there. Um, uh, Merv has been a great friend of uh, the Rec Poker group for a long time, and he just joined our premium membership last week. I am so excited to see uh, Merv Harvey getting more involved with Rec Poker. He's already won his first home game participated in his first strategy session he won the prize in twitch taylor's in twit in taylor moss's twitch stream uh raffle so he's firing on all cylinders uh and thanks for your support merv you are a great person in the poker world and i can't wait to spend even more time talking with you and, and speaking of talking you've heard me talk a lot my name is jim reed i'm uh, bluff Storini in the home game and at rec poker jim on twitter um, but I am just the guy they put in front of the mic on Mondays. It's a group effort over here. It takes a crew, a wrecking crew of people at Rec Poker. And if you want to find out more about me and the rest of the wrecking crew, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, or you can just listen up because you get to listen to Chris Jones for the first time again, back in the rotation. Welcome back, Chris. Yeah, up, up in front again. Uh, Chris Jones, you can find me 5b5 on Twitter or 5x5 in the Poker Stars home game. And I'm John Somsky. I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I am Keith Brandt, and that's Monkey System everywhere. Uh, I'm Kim Kilroy. I am mm, Pet Vet, Pet Vet 33, Pet Vet underscore 33, or you can find me as Fergie 56 in the home game. I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman 50 just about everywhere. And these are the Wrecking Crew members that are joining the show tonight. These are the magic makers. Everything we do at Rec Poker happens because of the contributions of the Wrecking Crew chipping in their insight and valuable time when it comes to our study groups, the book studies, the training videos, all the amazing stuff we do here happens because of this uh, fantastic group, the Wrecking Crew. So thank you all for your contributions. Um, this is the chats edition of the Rec Poker Podcast. And so every week on Monday night, we get together on YouTube at 730. Uh, we try and raise a little money for a food bank by having a contest at the end. Uh, we talk about home games, but the most exciting thing we do is we talk to a guest, someone from the world of poker that we feel like you, our Rec Poker audience, need to know better. This week, we're talking to Angela Jordison, a professional poker player who's had a really interesting story this year in particular. You've probably seen her or a few of her friends on Twitter having a great time, which is right up our alley. Uh, so, Angela, I just wanted to say you've had uh, quite a, a last few weeks. It's been a heck of a year. Happy New Year to you. And thank you so much for giving us some time to talk to you here on the Rec Poker Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to meet all you guys. It's been yeah, a don't be crazy year. Yeah, <laughs> That's for sure. Well, let's start. Let's start there. Um, I, and I'm sure uh, if our audience doesn't want doesn't know you yet, we'll get into sort of your story a little bit um, and what brought you into poker. But um, this year has had a singular focus uh, about this player of the year race. I know is one thing that was really at the top of your list. Um, why don't we? Can we just talk a little bit about sort of like how this year? came together and sort of what it's been like to be on this roller coaster of a, of a poker journey? Yeah, well, um, tournaments have never been my priority. I've primarily been a cash game player, a PLO cash game player. And so I just dabble in tournaments. It was like maybe 20% of poker for me. And I had my normal start to the year. And then I got to the series. And the very first week of the series, I had a really deep run. And so that kind of set me in this motion. Um, uh, I finished third in the 1K freeze out. And so I knew I was going to have a 
uh, positive series. I was not going to um, be in the negative. And so I was able to just freely play what I kind of wanted. I kept my schedule pretty much the same. I didn't take a lot of shots. And then I ran deep in the main event. Um, and then come, I might've had a score after that. I mean, everything is kind of blurry to me by this point because <laughs> I've went so hard the last few months. But in August, a friend of mine texts me and goes, hey, you're right in there for female player of the year. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> She's like, I, you're third, you should really try. And I and I was like, oh God, what did that mean? I'd have to be like a circuit grinder. And I, was, and I told her, I don't want to do that. And so I'm like, listen, I'll go to Cherokee and give it one shot. And if I get put some points on the board, I'll try for it. If not, I'm done. I'm going back to my cash games. So I was on a flight the next day to Cherokee. And and, uh, then I had two final tables there. So now I'm really in the mix. I don't remember if I took the lead at that point or not. Um, And then I just went on to this string of a heater. I don't I don't even know what you call it anymore, (laughs) but it's been really fun. And, um, you know, I love tournament poker suddenly. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's a real adjustment. There's a ton of things I want to unpack there. So um, you, I mean, fun and poker go together really well. We're big believers in that. And I know you kind of live and breathe that yourself as well. Um, you were on the Chip Race uh, podcast earlier this summer. Actually, I think you and I were on the same episode. And I remember um, talking with Dara and uh, David then about sort of this role of fun in poker and not wanting it to feel like a grind. I remember that um, was part of part of your interview. So did that change this year as you sort of had this concrete goal in front of you? How did that change the sort of pleasure that you took in the game? Well, something clicked inside of me when I really realized I had a shot. So you always see my bestie and I on Twitter, Jackie Burkhart. Yeah, and she did all the numbers when I said, hey, listen, kind of telling me that I'm in the mix for this. And she's like, let me run the numbers. She <laughs> runs the numbers and she looks at me and says, you're drawing dead. You'll never win it. You'll never you're you can't compete because you won't fire five and 10 Ks. And that GPI female player of the year is so weighted on buy in that someone like me that's just playing 2,500s and under is just at a huge disadvantage. I, I, it, I didn't, you know, I didn't think I could do it. So then I go, well, I'm still doing this Cherokee thing. So th- then I get in the mix and she goes, I still think you're drawing dead. I, I don't think you could even finish top three, like Bicknell and these guys are firing big events and you just won't be able to put up the kind of points. So that kind of motivated me. I was like, yeah. I'm drawing dead. <laughs> dead till I'm drawing dead. So <laughs> then I really got into it. And there was times where the fun, this last month, it became so much pressure. They were starting to get a lot of, um, you know, like poker press and stuff. And I felt mm. like every time I sat at a table, people were asking me about it. And I felt a lot more pressure. And there was times right before going into the win where I was like, is this worth it? This, this, I'm exhausted. Um, but you know, overall the whole year was fantastic at the end. It became a lot. And, um, but you know, I was in the mix and I wasn't blind dead. No, I think think that was clear. That was clear. (laughs) Um, well, I'll, I'll I'll open this up. I know if if you're listening along on YouTube, uh, we do this live on the air every Monday night at seven 30 Eastern, feel free to enter some, uh, some questions there. Or if you're on the panel here, just unmute. Um, I know Keith, you actually had a chance to play, uh, play with Angela and you were, uh, tweeting, um, back and forth a bit over, over, uh, Twitter. Um, what, what was that like? And, and did, was did she feel did she appear to be stressed at the tables or what? <laughs> well, she was in a conversation the whole 10 minutes that I was on that table before I got eliminated. <laughs> I wanted to butt in but didn't get a chance because I was out so quick, but at least I made the money. So I I was I was the one that got seated at the table while we were in hand for hand. What's that? What where was this at? In uh, Elgin. Oh, okay. Yeah. For the eleven hundred or the main? The main. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they so, uh, they move you around, especially once it starts getting uh, getting tense like that, right? Um, hand for hand. Yeah. Yee, that's a little tension on the tables, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't take poker that serious. Like, I <laughs> I I don't want to sit there and for twelve hours and be miserable. You know, I make hmm. a lot of friends and talk, and you know, I uh, it's just not my personality to be able to sit there and you know, 
not say anything all day yeah. long. So he's probably right. I probably wasn't a conversation the whole time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Chris, did you have something there? Well, I just I just kind of want to follow up. I mean, speaking of not drawing dead, I mean, you continued to play those sort of more kind of lower buy-in ones. And then kind of the final event of the year, I mean, where a lot of us might be drawing dead when it's like, well, you had to finish, I think, second in that event, right? To to actually to, to take over first place. And that's a big, massive Venetian field MSPT event. Um, but you actually final tabled. And so it started to become almost like, so did the pressure really, I mean, how, how much did that feel like? Did you start to feel that pressure? Was there some a different kind of element to that rather than just being a, you know, like another final table that already has some pressure? But like, what was that? What was that extra pressure like there? So when I got to the win, that's when the pressure was the highest um, because Cherish was right there. The buy-ins were big. The points were huge. Um, and I was in the lead. I had a very good lead for female player of the year. And I was neck and neck right there for um, mid-major. So those two kind of hit some weird parlay on me and beat me in both of the categories. By the time I got to that last event of the year at the MSPT, all the pressure was gone for me. I almost didn't even go to that event because I knew I would have to finish first and second. The field at that MSPT Venetian is tough. And I just was like, what are the chances of that? I came so far, you know, do I really need to go out there for this one event? But then I was like, I have came so far and I do need to finish it out. And this is the last event. And this is the event that I can actually do it in. And it wasn't just me either. Jeremy Osmus was there. And so was Adam Hendricks, I guess, flew in from Alaska. So, you know, there's been times throughout this year where people are like, what do you get for player of the year? And I'm like, well, um, nothing. <laughs> <A trophy. laughs> but I and so sometimes I would feel dumb almost chasing it because there was no monetary thing there. But I never thought I would be in this spot. And it just was a really big challenge for me. And I wanted to give it my all once I was in the mix. And so there were times where people made me kind of feel dumb about it. But when I got to that final event and I see those two guys there trying so hard for the overall GPI, they were there too. I felt like, oh, okay, I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I'm not some, you know, idiot that's like uh, trying too hard for something that doesn't matter. This really matters. And um, so I was glad I showed up. And then so I didn't have any pressure. I had a really good time. I just, um, you know, tried to play my best. And when I got to that final table, I was like, wow, maybe this is meant to be. At, at the end of the day, you know, maybe I'm going to finish a top two, but I came up short. Can't complain. I, you know, I mm. pretty deep and yeah. Well, thank you for sharing this with us because I think for a lot of our listeners, if if there, this is a feeling that's that's kind of familiar for them of like taking a shot of like being in an un- uncomfortable position somewhere where we don't spend a lot of time and right. sort of like what does it feel like when the pressure's on and if we have this opportunity. Um, so I really appreciate you kind of taking us behind the curtain like that, because it's, it's quite a unique journey. I feel like you've been on, you've kind of been, well, l- let me ask you this. So, um, I always, I, I often ask our guests to kind of place themselves in the poker world, uh, do, without putting words in your mouth. If people ask you like, what's your relationship to poker? How, how do you describe your own role in the poker world these days? I mean, I've always just felt like I'm just a cash game player that's really good at putting games together, too. Nice. Um, And so, you know, just kind of the social part and just my little corner of the Northwest. I kind of know most of the players on the West Coast. And it just like was cash. And now I'm in this new direction. And I don't I'm actually confused at this point what I should do. Um, You know, all along, I've like I've said, as soon as this year is over, I'm going right back to my cash games. And now I'm here and I just had an, another final table. I'm like, well, I can't stop now, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I came this, you know, I, I'm still cashy. And I guess when I start breaking things, I'll go back to cash or, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to be on the road as much as I was at end part of the year. Um, but I'm mainly living in the Midwest now. So it's kind of easy to pop to those things in Minnesota or Chicago or whatever. So I'm going to do those kind of things. And so I guess my spot in poker is yet to be determined. Cool. Hey, great answer. I mean, that's, that's a wonderful attitude. Um, 
you know, you say you 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 sort of up until recently considered yourself a cash player, uh, a PLO player specifically. Um, that must be a bit of an adjustment because uh, I know a lot of the tournaments that you were playing were probably no limit hold'em. Um, how how does that strain your brain, kind of going from one strategy set to the other strategy set? Yeah. So before like 2019, right before the pandemic, I was mainly only playing mixed games. And so PLOA, PLO, um, just that was it. And not seeing Hold'em Hands unless it was tournaments. But then I decided I'm tired of all my friends outperforming me in tournaments. Like, why am I showing up to tournaments if I'm doing nothing off the felt? I don't, I, I can't show up and expect to win when I put no preparation into it. Like who, that that's just like not a winning combination, in my opinion, for me. Smart. And so I'm like, I don't want to continue to min cash and feel like that was success for me. I was kind of tired of that. I wanted more. So I knew studying for No Limit Hold'em is really easy. It's kind of more difficult if you're going to study PLO and tournaments and stuff. And there's just not as many. So I focused studying just on tournaments and um, no limit tournaments. And so, you know, I, I feel like I have put a lot of time into it, especially through the pandemic. And, you know, I, I know the spots a lot better now, but I still screw up so many hands. <laughs> I don't know what to do in spots and, you know, but I guess maybe the run good is compensated for that. <laughs> yeah. It takes, it takes all, it takes, it takes it all together. Doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, here. Chris, you unmuted first and then Rob afterwards. Well, I, I mean, I think just a follow up to that, too, is, um, you know, what were some of those uh, things that those sort of either the, the study methods or sort of those eye opening breakthroughs that sort of like helped you start to go from that? You know, I think that's a, probably a familiar uh, kind of lament of, of our audience probably is like, oh, you know, I, 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 I'm in cash, but I always go out then and I, I never I never can make that big breakthrough. So what? What what was it about either your study habits or some sort of revelations for you that that helped you sort of like take your game a little bit further? So when I came into poker, you didn't have Sims and you didn't have all that kind of stuff. You looked at people and got reads and you might put them on a very specific hand, not range of hands. So you had to learn and build those instincts right on the felt. And then I get my first coach in 2019 and he's extremely technical he's 100% GTO he has me playing online and he's reviewing everything and that's when I started to learn like how to read those outputs and how to actually study because I had no clue at all and um which was great so he taught me this very aggro style that we are you know check raising a lot and three betting a lot and that was good but it was I was struggling to make it work with the fields I'm playing. Like if I'm playing other machines, I'm those things are great, but I wasn't deviating at all. And so I kind of threw all my instincts like out the door and I was just punting chips for, you know, most of 2020 or 2019 and 2020. I was like, I would build these stacks and then not really adjust to my opponents who aren't GTO players are not responding like they're supposed to. So then I hired Faraz in the middle of the pandemic and he taught me how to deviate and not to lose sight of the instincts that I've built and, you know, to understand, yeah, we're deviating, but why, why are we deviating? And um, I think that's been a big key and taught me how to play multi-way, which, you know, those solvers are always heads up and I'm sorry, but I'm playing MSPTs in the Midwest and we're going four ways to a flop. <laughs> so I got to have some skill set there. And so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, the whole uh, studying really changed the way I looked at the game. And I'm obsessed with it now. Awesome. So we're going to talk about that a little bit further because that's we're all about that here at Rec Poker. In fact, the theme of the month in January here at Rec Poker, the learning theme is multi-way pots. We did not set this up, people. This did not. We didn't talk to Angela oh, wow. beforehand and tell her to say that. Um, so just because that is the case, do you mind just talking a little bit about sort of how we have to adjust to multi-way pots or like what kind of uh, exploits we might choose to leave the solver behind when it comes to these spots that we find ourselves in? So when I would be the aggressor in a pot, so let's say I'm the initial raiser, and then I'm going four or five ways, or even if I three bet, 
you know, this happened to me a lot in Choctaw, which I really had to make some adjustments. I would three bed and I had this one guy that was overcalling these three beds like crazy. It's extremely uncomfortable because then now we're in a massive pot going multi-way. And I used to always feel like I had to see bed because mm. I'm the aggressor. And if I don't, are people going to think I look weak or I don't know what I'm doing? Like, this is how I used to think. I used to worry like, oh, people think I'm, I don't know what I'm doing or I'm nitty. And honestly, now I don't care what any of them think. But that <laughs> when I, I was concerned how the other players perceived me and like I look weak by not seabedding. And, you know, in multi-way pots, I've learned we're just doing a lot of checking. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to fold. We might check call. We might check raise. Um, but there are there is a lot more check folding and things like that when you whiff, even though you are that initial raiser, especially when you're out of position. You know, a lot of times I'm three betting out of position and, um, you know, I just have to sometimes check give up, which wasn't in my game before because I mm. thought I had to go for every pot, especially the ones that I felt were mine. I had this sense of entitlement that I've learned to just let go. And, um, you know, there's times where I'm going to have to check bold and don't care yeah. what anybody thinks. But yeah. you know, that was, I did have that in my game. I felt like people would think I was bad or weak. I don't know. It was dumb. No, I think that's <laughs> very common because we get the sense that like, oh, aggression wins tournaments and you have to sort of express your edge because you've got the uh, momentum from the previous street. And I mean, those are all kind of true in a vacuum, but the uh, uh, the art of poker is when you, you know, understand that poker isn't played in a vacuum. It's played against the people that you're playing against and the circumstances that you're in. So, um, so how, how, <laughs> so how, so I think this is a common experience for a lot of our listeners too. How do we, when we're sitting at the table, like, what do we pay attention to? What are the signs that tell us, like, how do we decide what exploits to make or like, uh, yeah, what, what kind of information are you and your experienced poker brain parsing at the tables that's letting you know, okay, this is how I'm going to exploit this player. Or this is how I'm going to exploit this player. Right. Well, the first thing I'm doing is trying to play pretty close to theory. Um, so obviously board texture and those kind of things are going to determine the lines that I'm going to take. But I'm also hyper aware of the calling stations, which, you know, I see a lot of, especially early on in the tournaments and, um, you know, the guys that are playing kind of more ego based that don't want to lose to either a female or to someone with a lot of chips. It doesn't even have to be a female, sometimes a chip leader, and they're going to take stands in weird spots. And so I think a lot of it is sizing up um, the ego, the personality, the mm -hmm. tendencies um, that they're making, but also being very, you know, still playing your spots well. Yeah, uh, people talk about sort of um, letting exploits be like the tiebreaker, but not leading us yeah. too far away from from sound uh, sound theory. So that, that makes sense. Um, did you have any as this year has gone on? Do you feel like your play has improved? And are there any kind of mistakes that you feel like you would have made a year ago that now you're kind of routinely uh, 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 rectifying in real time? Yeah, I feel. Uh... Yeah, I definitely have improved. I've played against some of the best this last year, which I used to avoid that. I, I'm like, right. they can go cannibalize each other all they want. Like, I want to play with, you know, mom and pop and stuff. Like, I want to play with rec players. I don't want to be in that sea of sharks. Well, I've had to be. So I've had to um, really learn how to compete. And I've learned so much from watching some of these fantastic players, how they navigate small, um, short stacks, 10 big bl blind stacks, 15 big blind stacks, um, which is a part of, part of the game that I've actually studied a lot, but I've watched um, some of these really, really great players play it differently than, than I had ever studied it. I learned a lot from that. I've just, the sizings, um, you know, I've just continued to study and recheck my spots and see where I've made mistakes. And like I said, I screw up a lot of hands throughout the day. You know? <laughs> but I think they're getting less and less, but there's always that hand where I'm like, geez, you know, I really didn't need to fire three streets there with nothing. <laughs> so um, yeah, I've, I've definitely improved. I put so much time in, I've been hmm. at the felt so much that I couldn't help but improve. But there for a while, I thought I was kind of getting some bad habits too. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had to kind of make some adjustments. Now I feel like I need to 
really focus on final table strategies because I only had one win and all these final tables. And now I'm like, do I not know how to win? (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm my own worst critic. Believe me. Hey, there there are worse places to be. That keeps you sharp, right? That keeps you sharp. Uh, Rob, did you have something? Just a couple of things. You mentioned earlier that um, your first coach back in 2019 had you playing a lot online. And you seem to me like somebody who just thrives on playing live. And that's where you've, you know, you feel very, very comfortable because you can actually see the people around you. So do you like playing live over online or do you use online just for studying? What's that, uh, what's that dynamic for you? I used online primarily for studying when I first started. And then I started playing online and I started winning right away. And, um, so I thought it was really easy, but then the reality hit. And then I started, I'm not a winning player online. Um, but more than anything, I don't like the lifestyle that comes with online poker. Mm. I don't want to sit in my house for 12 or 15 hours on a beautiful Sunday. I don't want to have my evenings consumed with it. I do play so much live poker, whether it's cash or traveling for now for tournaments, that when I'm home, I don't want it consumed with, I don't want to be strapped to something um, you know, and my computer and, and those kind of things. I want to be able to do what I want to do and go out to eat and, you know, be with my family and my friends. I don't, I don't want to be strapped to my computer, but did that bring me up to where I really had a good understanding of a lot of theory? Yes. And it was the quickest way for me to come up to speed. I can't imagine starting on the felt and starting live and being able to progress through, um, the concepts and stuff as quickly as I did, I think it would be really difficult. So the online was key for me. And sometimes um, when I first started with Faraz, he had me get on and play a few tournaments and then did some found and went through and found leaks uh, in my game. So I was lucky that, you know, I don't have to do that with him because he can go over live spots and stuff uh, pretty easy now. But in the beginning, it, it was pretty key. And, and you raise a good point there. That is one of the great things about playing online is you build a, a database of hands and like a hand history that's reliably observed. You know, it's not just, oh, I think I remember I had this and this was the pot size. It does make it a lot easier for other people to review your play and to find leaks or spots that, that you might not be looking at yourself better. than. And the trackers are so good now that like he would say, you're not squeezing enough and pull up every spot that I was supposed to squeeze or we should be three betting here. And we'd pull up every single spot that I played over 50,000 hands that I should have been three betting and I didn't, you know, so it's, you can get a really good sample uh, playing online and then dissecting through the poker trackers and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. It is really difficult to do online because, or I mean, live is just like almost impossible to break down that many hands. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Kim? Uh, yeah, just before I ask my main question, just go into the poker tracker thing. What sort of, when you were studying that first early on, what sort of stakes were you playing? Like, were you I was to get playing, sort of to build that database? I was playing like 109s to 1650s. But I would say the average was 33 to 55. Like I would play one 109 maybe on a Sunday, but overall they were like, 1650s to 55s and um yeah that that was that was pretty much what I was playing and just trying to get a lot of volume in right uh so that I could find those leaks the leaks become very very apparent once you get you know so many hands in a database right yeah I'm also a member of Faraz's yeah when I heard that pet vet (laughs) it rang a bell I was like oh she's been in the live sessions before yeah (laughs) Um, I wanted to ask you about, you've been a great role model for women this past year. Like I've been following some of the stuff you've done and it's been amazing. I want to know, because I haven't played a lot in the second half of the year, if you've noticed a gradual increase in the number of women coming out to live tournaments, if it's subtle, is it like we've been trying so hard in all sorts of aspects with poker power and and us here and like to try and get more women into the game. And I'm just wondering if you've been seen noticeably seen uh, more women 
then you I might feel not like be it, it, since I've been in poker this last 15 years or something, the numbers are definitely coming up. Um, obviously, we're still a huge minority in the field. I noticed those win numbers were pretty promising how many women were playing 10Ks because that's usually not something that a lot of women um, play it, overall. Like Historically, they're very low numbers even in the main event. Uh, so I do feel like there's a lot more women, but I'm playing more um, fields that are, you know, rec type fields. In the bigger buy-ins, uh, tournaments, no, there's not. I mean, it's still a pretty low number in those 2,500s, 2,200s live right. events. You're just not seeing a lot of women. Yeah, no, I think we're more focused on the rec sort of yeah. getting the grassroots um, Midwest, like all the smaller WSOP circuits, like all of those kinds of things. If trying to get more women involved in sort of the Yeah, I level. think there are uh, definitely more women. Where you won't see women is in PLO tournaments, I'll tell you that. <laughs> in high only PLO tournaments you have to search the whole field high and low to find another woman I'll tell you they're just not there but if you go PLO 8 then it's very there's tons of women in the field but women don't play PLO in general they're a very very small percentage which is very interesting yeah uh, Kim anything else no that's great thank you All keep right. it up with the Great role model that you are. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. In, in fact, uh, we were just talking before we came on the air about um, uh, you've you've been involved in some great role model sort of fun Twitter moments out there. Uh, there's a, a certain partying uh, montage of you and Jackie after cashing. That one got <laughs> yeah. uh, puts a smile on my face every time I see it come by. Uh, Chris Jones was telling me that he, one of his favorite. Well, here, Chris, why don't you describe it? Uh, well, one uh, of my favorite Twitter threads of all time was when uh, you reported about, uh, I think it was your daughter was playing and you had like a family outing where you all, and most of your family w weren't poker players, but uh, the text messages she sent you were some of the best. I, I still <laughs> I still mention getting snaked on the river and I don't know why we don't all say I got snaked on the river. It's so much better than sucked out. It's it's brilliant. So she's so funny because she's been raised around poker, right? But I never had it in we never played it at home. Um, anything like that just wasn't something I want for my children. I don't want them in a casino uh, environment. Uh, so it wasn't something that I brought them up to do, but she has heard the lingo, but doesn't really have any clue how to apply it. <laughs> so that's why that those those tweets just oh we were rolling. My brother and I could not <laughs> stop laughing. She just kept bringing them in, and you know she hated every minute of that tournament. You know, she's like, <laughs> I think she was like twenty one at that point. She wanted to be out partying. We're making her play a tournament at the Orleans. You could hear a pin drop. You know, it was not what she was after. <laughs> but she she went in and did it but she oh she's so funny in general <laughs> that's great yeah i can still see jackie with the, with yeah. the bottles and the other one too. jackie that's and awesome. i always think you know there's those women in poker that are the you know the sexy the whatever and they have their market and ours is we're just fun we just want to have fun <laughs> Well, we're never going to be the the selfie, um, you know, gals and more power to them. But her and I, we just we just have fun. <laughs> we just like to laugh and have fun. And but then we study so hard together. Yeah, like we we really put a lot of time in her and I have spent hours going over hands. Yeah, I think I think we feel a lot of kindred spirits here on the Wrecking Crew because, um, you know, like we study hard and we play hard and poker is a game. And like mm -hmm. it's meant to be fun. It's nice. Like I don't know how many hobbies out there people can really make money doing. Um, no one makes money going to the movies once a week. But you know, celebrate the fact that we can make some money on this hobby, on this thing that we do for fun. It should be fun. If you you know, go to law school if you want to go work hard and make a million dollars. For God's sake. Uh, yeah, and so for the player of the year thing, Jackie got obsessed. And <laughs> I mean, everybody needs a Jackie. I'm so lucky to have her because she would run the numbers. I would be running deep and she's like, okay, we're to the point you're getting fresh points now. Every point matters because as the end of the year comes, it becomes so difficult to get points. So what Cherish did was like absolutely amazing because to, she racked up like five, 600 points in three days where we were scraping to get like 20 points because they make it towards the end. Of, what they do is they take your top 13 caches. Mm. And at, once you have 13 caches, you have to replace your lowest. 
So right. every time you replace a score, you have to go deeper and then deeper and deeper and deeper or bigger buy-ins to get fresh points added to your score. And so she would calculate and run the numbers. Okay, okay, yeah, you just passed this person. You just passed this person. And when I ran deep in Choctaw and I took the lead, she was so genuinely excited. And uh, I, I mean, poker brought Jackie and I together. And it's like the biggest gift that I've received from poker. It's better than any of my caches. It's better than my World Series final table. It's better than anything. Her friendship, you know, is really important. That's beautiful. Um, Keith, did you have something there? Yeah. Uh, do you have any plans for any specific events uh, here in the Midwest in the early part of the year? I'll be at all of them, Keith. <laughs> yeah. Probably see me at a few. Yeah, we have a lot of we have a lot of Midwest uh, listeners and members here, so yeah, I think it's very I, possible. Yeah, I'll be at Elgin again. Cool. And um, Detroit. Yeah, I mean all the MSPTs in the Midwest. I never had played an MSPT until I. Uh, ended up in the Midwest a couple of years ago. They just weren't, there's no, nowhere in the Northwest or really not even in California. I don't, other than San Diego. And um, so I'd never played them. And then once I played my first event, I felt like this is for me. I like these. I like the price point. 1100s are just my favorite price yeah. point in general. Uh, once you get to 1700s, if you have to fire two or three bullets, it starts becoming a lot of money. And even though I have made a lot of money this year, I have a lot of respect for money. That's why I don't fire 10Ks. Mm, mm -hmm. You know, it bothers me to hand over $10,000 for one tournament. It just, I don't care how much I'm up. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of money and uh, it's, it's just not really a priority for me. So I love 1100s. Uh, so that's why I really love that MSPT. I Probably see around in a few of those. Just don't sit on my left again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Angela, I think you might see a few people with rec poker gear if you keep playing in the Midwest. It's uh, it's a popular stop for for a lot of our members here. Uh, Kim, I think you unmuted first, and then Chris. Yeah, no, I just wondered if you play the Run Good Poker series. That's one of the ones that I've really had a really fun playing at, and. Is that sort of, I think they're only $600 maybe, their main event, so. I played there 2500 at Thunder Valley uh, like a month and a half ago, and it was so fun. They had a red carpet. They had parties at night. I mean, talk about a great uh, tournament series. They are the best. So I will make uh, time for those uh, when they come. I think they come to Council Bluffs, right? In they the do. Midwest? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I definitely will do those if i'm trying to only do two a month but we'll see if i end up in some kind of player of the year race again then you know i gotta try to win it which means i'm gonna <laughs> if i end up in that spot again i'm going to fire big because i i want to win it now now i know i blood. yeah <laughs> uh, I know, I know Chris has a question, but I got to take a little follow up there. So um, we all love fun poker and, you know, talking about run good, they always have a fun time on their tours and that sort of thing for you. Uh, what can tours and, and poker rooms and staff and other players, like what contributes to a fun poker tournament or a fun poker game? Um, and what, what can people do better that are sort of stopping it from being fun from time to time? I think that everybody can look at the MSPT and run good. I mean, I really feel like they are the two best series for that. And it starts at the top. You know, it's the message that they're sending. Um, they're happy to be there. They're really proud of what they've done. And they're just creative. And the outside activities and stuff were really, really fun. Uh, that, that just makes it better where you're just not just grinding. You know, you have other things to look forward to and, Everything they do, they're handing out gear and it just makes it exciting. The, the wind did a great job with that too. You know, at the, the WPT, they created this sense of excitement and it just makes it better. You know, whether you're running good or bad, it makes a whole series a lot better. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I, I, I kind of wanted to go back to the, um, you mentioned sort of like a, a real hesitancy to play a 10K. And I, I think I, I think there was a podcast, I think it was the Thinking Poker podcast where you and Jackie were both on talking about that main event run. So um, I'm kind of wondering, um, you know, I think that's something that I, I came across in that podcast is something that Jackie loves that you were kind of like, I don't kind of had to be a little bit dragged to go do, but then you ended up having this phenomenally deep run and I'm wondering about, 
your perspective on the main event? Like, what was that experience like? And is it an experience that you'll look to do again? Or was that kind of like, maybe still not not uh, your speed? So before that, I used to complain about the main event, which sounds so entitled. I don't like it. I, I don't like, <laughs> like that. But I was like, I don't like the main event. It's so slow. Oh, my God. <laughs> because I came from this PLO cash game, you know, and then I got to sit there for day in and day out on this really slow, slow structure. I really didn't enjoy it. And then I run once I uh, cashed. I did not have it on my schedule at all. Um, I always say if I have a good summer, then I'll play it. And this was my fifth time playing it. And I was like, okay, I'll play it. And it was complete. I had never really got, I had never made it out of day two. I've always made day two, never made it out of day two. So this was the first time. And now I'm in day five with Jackie. And then, but the pressure just builds. Like it is an event like nothing other, like no other. And I can hardly wait to play it again. I do love it now. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm no more negative stuff about the main event out of me because I can see why it's so special. Uh, but the pressure is crazy. And I did not handle it as well as I probably will be able to now. I It was it really got to me on day five. Um, when the cameras are in your face like that, it's very uncomfortable for me. Featured tables I don't like. I've been invited to lots of stream cash games. I turn them down. It's just not something that um, was a real priority for me. I, I'm not trying to be a vlogger or anything. So what do I need to go on these cash games stream tables for? And But on the main event, you don't have a choice. They're like, you're going there. <laughs> and uh, so that was real uncomfortable for me. But now um, I have done a couple stream tables. I did one in Malta too. I'm a little bit more comfortable with them. So maybe the pressure, if I have another deep run ever in the main, it won't be as bad. But this first time... I was like, and I I wasn't fun, Angela, on day five. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> <it's so> hard. <laughs> well, that's a hard thing to prepare for too, right? Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you kind of simulate that pressure in a, meaningfully in a way that that allows yeah. you to prepare? I mean, now that you've been through it, can you think of of anything? Is there no. any substitute for experience on that front? No, I think you just got to get there and, and, you know, beat your way through it. And some people are just better at dealing with that pressure. Um, I would have said that, oh, it won't bother me. But once mm -hmm. I got there, it definitely did bother me. Uh, it was a lot. And uh, trying to make t right decisions. And, and you know, by day, the, the thing about the main, when you get deep, it becomes very polarizing. You either have a table that's like pretty soft that you can't believe you're in the main event with a table this soft. Or you just have this table that is so tough. And that's what I had on day five and the added pressure and the cameras and everything. So it was, it was, uh, it was very difficult and exciting. <laughs> and, you know, of course I loved it, but I I'm ready to do it over. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, Kim says uh, practice on a live stream. Yeah. Just keep, I mean, we do talk about it, sort of like pretend you're streaming when you're playing and that you have to sort of, that people are watching you and sort of, you know, try and put yourself in that pressure shoe. But yeah, until, until you're actually there doing it, it's, it's, it's just, it's just practice. It's not really, not really the same thing. Um, we got a great question here from uh, Jay Fleming in the YouTube chat. Uh, this is what do you have any goals, specific goals for 2023, other than just continuing to crush poker and have a great time doing it? I want to have. Uh, so my goals are to definitely have volume, um, mm. not not uh, like end of the year volume, but pretty consistent volume in tournaments, picking the right game selections for me. So important. Uh, studying. I, I have a weekly study thing. I'm going to have a goal where I want to get over a million in earnings. Obviously, I'm, I'm almost there. 18 months ago, I had 250,000 in in earnings. So um, it's been just a crazy run. But now I'm like, oh, I got to get over that million dollar uh, mark. And I just want to have fun and I want to constantly get better. Mm. Sound like good goals. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Jay Fleming. And thanks for joining us uh, here on the show. So, Angela, if uh, folks want to reach out to you and, you know, say hello or uh, uh, learn more about you, is Twitter the place for that? Uh, what's your yeah, preferred Twitter way? Instagram. Twitter, or Instagram. And what, yeah. what are your handles there that people can find you? I think they're both Angela Jordison. 
okay. or and Jordison, either one, but I'm pretty Wait. sure they're both my full name. Um, I'm old enough to be on Twitter. I'm not young enough to be on Instagram. So I know I will be able to put the Twitter handle in the show notes uh, for this one, but people might have to look up your your gram, your IG on uh, on the World Wide Web. Um, yes. But that, uh, great. And then is there anything else that uh, um, you want to share with us? Or is there anything else about you that, uh, that the poker world deserves to know? This has been a real pleasure talking to you so far, Angela. I don't know. I can't think of anything. I feel like I've done so many podcasts. Like I don't remember which one of you guys reached out to me. I'm like, isn't everybody sick of me by now? I'm probably so annoying to everybody. Just constantly there. But hey, it's, I guess it's my time to run well. Yeah. We'll amen. Yeah. I guess I guess so. I guess so that prompts just one last question, then we'll let you roll out of here. So um t- tell talk just a little bit about what that experience is like to go from someone who's kind of playing cash games, not in the shadows, but not in the limelight to now like you're on all these podcasts and like people know who you are. And and uh, has that changed your life in your social life? Has it changed your life in the way that you play poker? What what changes has that brought to you? No, I had a little practice with this in like 2015. I won these three tournaments in a row that got a lot of press and a lot of um, media stuff. And I did a lot of... Uh, podcasts and things and it that it did change the dynamic for me because before I was just kind of the person at the table nobody knew who I was or, or had um predisposed you know opinions of what I was going to play like or anything and then after winning those three tournaments I did have that element where people you know in the northwest and where I played knew me and that did that did have an its own set of challenges, you know, like whether they're they're coming for you or um, judging you on how you play or just all these kind of things. Um, so I was kind of prepared for it, uh, for this, because I've been down the road of the podcast thing. But, you know, I've made so many friends this last year. So I always know people at the table now, not maybe just from the podcast, but just from talking a lot yeah. <laughs> and making a lot of friends. So, um, you know, there it, it is hard. I'm not invisible anymore that much at the table. So that kind of sucks. But when I, <laughs> yeah, when I punt, there's times when I've like punted my stack and I'm like, I hope I never see those people again. <laughs> and I'm like, they're going to remember who I am now. You know, I can't just be like, you should have seen this girl punt. No, it's, you should have seen Angela punt. So yeah, slither away from the table and just hope that none of them know me. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, we do have some fun uh, comments in the YouTube chat. And folks, we'll do our uh, food bank drive uh, uh, raffle shortly. But um, Graphic16 says, woohoo. <laughs> uh, Jay Fleming says, great interview. Thank you. Uh, Evil Roy Slade says, very fun interview. Uh, Mary McCune says, love her energy. You've got some new fans tonight, Angela. Oh, and yeah, think, yeah. Uh, Maybe I'll see him in the Midwest, huh? I think your odds are very good. Your odds are very good of seeing this uh, logo over here on some hoodies or T-shirts or polos or something. Um, So, yeah, folks, uh, Angela, like uh, she's got a great personality. I'm sure if she's not in the middle of a hand, uh, she'd love for you to come up and say hello and wish her luck. And um, Angela, I will just say thank you again for taking this time. And especially over the holidays here, it's uh, uh, we really appreciate it and just wish you the best in 2023. I hope I find myself across the table from you one of these days. But again, not on my left either. I I, want to win. (laughs) Yeah, I hope I meet all of you guys in person. Thank you for having me. Have a great night. Thanks again. Thanks. Well, uh, John Somsky, uh, it is a new year. That was a fantastic interview. We've got a couple of weeks of home game uh, results to get through because we took last week off here in the booth for the holidays. Um, why don't if, uh, if folks want to enter the food bank raffle draw, you can start typing the words food bank into the YouTube chat now. And then uh, Chris Jones, the decided upon die roller here in the production booth, We'll pick one of his weapons of uh, randomization, and we'll see who's going to be our lucky winner uh, this week. The one and only John Sofsky. Take it away, sir. All right. Well, for those of you who don't know, we have some point series that happen on the first and second week of each month. The first week of the month is the No Limit Hold'em point series. Second week, Wednesday. Not week. First Wednesday of the month is No Limit Hold'em. Second Wednesday of the month is a mixed game series. So you can uh, play those, and whoever gets the highest points, you use your top 10 scores, 
and then that'll be the winner of the player of the year, and you do get a silver pin for that. There is also a tournament of champions at the end of the year, and then we have our daily series, which has a tournament of champions each and every month. And if you want to make sure that your name is announced as a winner, make sure that your username and your rec pro or your poker stars username and your personal name are public on your rec poker profile. Nice. So we will start with the No Limit Hold'em Champions Tournament of Champions. Mm. Mr. DZZZ18. Rich. Got the uh, his very first victory for the No Limit Hold'em TOC. The champion. The No Limit Hold'em champion for 2022. So as John references there earlier, we've got a player of the year race that uh, our own Taylor Moss won uh, this year. He is the... Uh, Player of the Year, the No Limit Hold'em Player of the Year. I thought we weren't going to speak of this anymore. We, I, it's a new year. Let's give him something. Let's just throw some scraps Taylor's way here right off the bat. We'll um, just call him he who cannot be named anymore. Yeah. Or, or Baltimore, well, if you prefer. It, it would make sense. Let's just get like a macro built or something, because he's, he's, he's also the Mixed Games Player of the Year for Rec Poker, a phenomenal uh, effort there, quite an accomplishment to win both Player of the Year races. Uh, and then Richard Deitz, as we were just saying, um, uh, uh, Rich was put on a clinic, uh, worked his way through a stacked tournament of champions championship table and took it down um, and it played really well. And I could tell he was taking it seriously and I couldn't be happier to be announcing Rich as the champion, the No Limit Hold'em champion for Rec Poker. Congratulations again, Rich. Well done, sir. And then we have another Tournament of Champions. As you may remember, the first Tournament of Champions, so the, the Tournament of Champions for our um, daily series is usually played on the second Wednesday of the month, or second Monday of the month. And in this, they had some Poker Stars. Um, oh, it was the server uh, maintenance, right? They yeah, server maintenance issue. that was going on. So not everyone was able to join that. But now on the 19th, we held it again, and we had Mudslinger 1942, Mudslinger. Jack Pastel. And nice. this is his second TOC victory this year. Oh, wow. I don't know if that has been done before. If it has, it has not been done very often. No, So that's quite an impressive Jack. feat. Wow. Then on December 19th, K-Poker wannabe Ron Payton got his fourth Run. nightly victory for the year. GF yeah. Hawk. Eric Romo got his seventh nightly victory. Kudzu87, Jason Krusinski got his first nightly victory for the year. Congratulations. Geodia02, George Sansford, or also known as Grandpa George. Grandpa George! Got his first nightly victory for the year. As, Amazing. As a matter of fact, that's his first rec poker victory ever. Amazing! That was uh, that was my tag team partner at the World Series of Poker this year. He won the uh, he won the competition in June. So yeah, what so obviously when guy, he sloughs off guy. the dead weight, he can actually yeah. bring in a victory. Right, yeah, when I'm not dragging him down, he finds his way into the winner's circle again. Congratulations, George! Way to go. Keto Man three three five. Tabacoli got his guy. third nightly victory for the year. A really mad guy. Mad guy got his eighth nightly victory how is and he the, still such a really mad guy he's been winning a lot of rec poker tournaments that would put a smile on my face i almost think it's going to be mandatory that he changes screen name because that just <laughs> doesn't make sense anymore <laughs> the Duke brian cole got his second daily mixed practice event hmm. evil roy ca david westerveld oh got his 11th international victory event and that was his 46th Victory oh lifetime. Oh my god, he's getting so close. He is. Kick it up a nacho. Jack got his first <laughs> international victory. And Roadstar 33 won the Randy. daily LPP event. Oh, so he can contact Jim at Rec.poker for his free month at Learn Pro Poker. That's right. Every Sunday night we have a free play money home game that if you win, you get a free month at Learn Pro Poker. Um, I don't know if Roadstars made his uh, name private or public or not. Um, his name's Randy. I'm just going to say, hi, Randy. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if you're going to reach out to me, Randy, but trust me, there is some good knowledge bombs back there behind the Learn Pro Poker paywall. 
Uh, you can see some of it through our Learning with Partners program here as part of our premium membership. You get a chance to go check out a bunch of other training sites. But if you win that Sunday night tournament, you get a free month at Learn Pro Poker. So send that email, jim at rec.poker. Let's get you all set up. All right. Then for the second week, we start off with the Mixed Game Championship Tournament of Champions. And another, none other than Evil Roy CA with wow. David Westerveld. Wow. Got his first TOC victory, his 47th oh victory lifetime. God. And, and so he also he's, mentioned he's a... this was his first silver pin I victory ever. I heard that. Yeah. So he was he was glad that he got that before he won his lifetime achievement award for one. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, congratulations, so, Dave. So the, the mixed game uh champion of Rec Poker Mixed Game Champion for uh for 2022. Congratulations. He's been on a freaking tear. So that doesn't surprise me one bit. Then we have Izuma got his Spike. sixth nightly victory. Denise Aces, Denise Allen got her nice, first nightly victory for the year. Way to go. And Astro 247, Merv, Merv. Got his <laughs> first nightly victory. His first rec poker victory ever. Yeah, he I, he was putting it out on Twitter. I saw that it was he had quite a fun time. He was hanging out with Chris and Rob in the uh, uh, Q and A session about limping on Wednesday night. He won a prize in uh, uh, Taylor's Twitch stream, and he won the home game. So we got we got to figure out a way to get those bronze pins all the way down to Australia. We'll have to send a combo package down for him and Troy Chapman, and maybe some of our new members out of out of Australia. So congratulations, Murph! Way to go. Then we have Tom Tom S thirty two nineteen. Tom Stanley got his third hmm. nightly victory for the year. Nine nine six three two one four seven. Arnold Barron got his first <laughs> nightly victory for the year. Congratulations, Arnold! And Pet Vet thirty three oh. got her tenth nightly victory for the year, which brought nice. her up to thirty five lifetime mm -hmm. events Very and impressive. the same night she won the mixed practice event <laughs> for the second one for the year and that brings her up to 36 wow. lifetime events that's a real back-to-back -back. two events in the same night congratulations Karen. that's that's pretty rare yeah uh, has anyone ever done that i don't i i think rare. it has been done i know right. well I was playing on the final table with both of those, and I, I had Humble forgotten boy. I had So basically, won. you you could have done it, but you didn't, is what we're saying. <laughs> no, no, I was getting irritated because I thought that I hadn't won a an event for December, so I didn't think I was going to qualify for the TOC mm. in January. I'd won an international event on the 4th, so as it go. turns out, I do, but I was really getting annoyed. It's like, you don't need this, Kim. I need this. Get out of my way. But no, she just kept on scooping all the chips, taking the pots for me. <laughs> Typical. Then, for international events, kick it up at Nacho. Jack got his Nacho. second international victory for the there year. There you go. Duck and Run 99, Michael Savage got Mike. his third Way international to go, victory for the year. Awesome. And then now then KB won Doug. the daily LPP event. So he can contact Jim at rec.poker for his free month at Learn Pro Poker. And he actually sent me a note saying that he had won one before and had forgotten all about it. So can he still contact you to get both free months at Learn Pro Poker? He sure can. In fact, I've got a meeting with KL Cleeton next week just to talk about a few of our members that have won more than one free month at LPP and how we handle that, uh, you know, getting back into the logistics of this whole thing. So um, that's great. And actually, I've already gotten an email. I just got an email today from Doug uh, claiming that. So way to go, Doug. Sorry, I'm a little behind on my emails, but um, we will get that all sorted out for you in no time. You are going to love it over at Learn Pro Poker. Congratulations. Uh, well, thanks, John. Um, boy, when Izuma wins these time, this time, it's just like, just shrug and move right through it. Just rolls off the tongues, like not even a challenge for you anymore. I've decided that rather than struggle on names, if I don't know how to pronounce them, I'll just pretend that I do. And then, you know, if it's wrong, it's wrong. But how's anyone going to know? I feel like you're kind of like that person who has to keep taking harder and harder drugs just to get the high that they used to get from earlier <laughs> ones. It's like we got we need some really exotic player names, please. 
uh, if you're joining some of these like Welsh names with a lot of Q's and W's and L's and T's and stuff like that all in a row, let's really put John through the coals here, please. Well, I was w- a little worried about the all numbers one. Yeah. Um, it it caught the spreadsheet some bits that you oh, know, no, track really? things because well yeah because it didn't think it was a string so I had a, uh, but I got that that all figured out that's all straightened out and I actually was able to say numbers just fine so there you go. How about that? He's he's alphanumeric now, folks. We we're, he's capturing us on every on every possible level. Um, well, Chris, why don't we do our uh, let's do our roll? I see um, the order that I see it here is uh, graphics sixteen, the RRCCC, Eric Anderson, Stuart Carriage, Mary McCune, and Evil Roy Slade. Is that how it looks for you? Those those are the ones I see too in that order. Okay. All right, so we're using the boring old six-sided dial to see who's going to win the prize. Are we ready? Boxcar, I love it. It's a six. It's a boxcar. Oh, see, you're hot on sixes. You're on the other end of the spectrum here. I was rolling at ones all the time. You are flipping that six pretty often. I don't know if we'll have to get get Eric Jin to put another mashup together and see, but... uh, (laughs) Sample I size is still think, pretty you know, low. you're supposed to have clustering in these randomized events. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, they say there was a college professor who said, okay, everyone come up with randomized events. And the way he could tell which ones were faked and which ones were real was the real ones would have more clusters, more grouping, more yeah. clumping. And people would ra- want to spread things out more to make it seem more random. Interesting. Yeah, we're we're not very good at randomizing as humans. Our brains are not good at randomizing. That's why we need random number number generators or chip tricks or using the power suits or whatever it is that helps us determine what to do. Because uh, we're just we're just not good at it. So there you go, um, Dave Evil Roy Slade. Uh, so you're already uh, a Rec Poker Premium member. So you're gonna. So the way this works that we're if if you're not a premium member, we give you a free month at Rec Poker or the chance to sit in on our flagship Play and Learn seminar, the deep dive that Chris runs every month, um, where all our member nine of our members get together and play a simulated tournament situation, and then Chris and Dario Carney review that play, and uh, Chris puts a video together for our members. Um, you're already uh, a premium member, Dave, so you're not going to get a free month. You're going to get uh, that $15 that it would take to pay for a month of Rec Poker Premium Membership, and we'll apply that towards the coaching uh, platform, the coaching material of your choice uh, from the Rec Poker Shop, whether it's with uh, Chris, Rob, Taylor, uh, myself, Tim. Um, we all have different coaching programs there. There's also a group video reviews, lots of ways to get some feedback from our Rec and Crew members. And congratulations, Dave. Send me that email, jim at rec.poker, and we'll get you all sorted out. And I'm happy uh, to announce we're actually going to have some other cool prizes coming in 2023. Some of our learning partners are getting together with us to help open the doors and get more of our recreational poker fans uh, to try what's going on behind um, behind the scenes at some of these other training companies like uh, PokerCoaching.com and a couple others that I'll tease right now. But I'm excited to be able to give out uh, some new memberships to uh, lots of other great sites out there that we partner with. This is how we do things at Rec Poker. We get better together. Um, the partners and collaborators that make us who we are. We're lucky to be part of this fantastic group, just like I'm lucky to be part of the Wrecking Crew here, uh, like we are every week. Uh, Rob, do you want to talk a little bit about the book study coming up before we roll on out of here? We got that coming up on Wednesday. We're studying The Poker Brain by Matt Matros. And we're all set to go through um, optimal strategy number three. We got through uh, one and two in the first two sections, and now we're going to be going through optimal strategy number three. So make sure you've read through that at least. Um, If we do get through that, we'll have to start on optimal strategy number four. I'm not sure if we will, but we'll see how many rabbit holes we go down. Yeah, It'll be a few, I'm sure. And um, there's been some awesome uh, work in the the study group for this, the group. And it's got a forum. People are uploading uh, documents. You can check out Rob's slides from all the shows, all the sessions leading up until this one. I think um, someone recently added a quiz. There was some talk about having some resources there for people on how to put their hands in different buckets. There's a lot of, listen, reading poker books is great, but um, it really helps to be able to learn this material with other people and uh, to have a curated view of what goes on here. So Rob runs this book study on the first and third Wednesday of every month. So if you're listening live, you can come join us on Wednesday, January 4th or the 18th. Um, But as I say, it's every two weeks. You can't miss out. 
Um, if you're listening to this on the Friday that comes out, that's Friday, January 6th. Um, the Wednesday that's coming up for you is January 11th, where the Keith Monkey System Brandt over here is going to be doing his off-table tools study group. And uh, Keith, do you know what we're going to be using this month to kind of take a little look at uh, multi-way flops or multi-way hands? Yep, we're going to be in advanced poker training. I'm going to set it on uh, one of the easy levels, I think, because that's about all you ever see is multi-way pots. <laughs> there you go. So we'll so get a good uh, chance. That's a great, it's a great program. And Keith does a great job uh, taking us through this advanced poker training program, finding hands to analyze and uh, leaning on the expertise of the programmers and coaches that work on that program as well. Uh, so that's just the tip of the iceberg, folks, whether it's that uh chris jones's deep dive videos my own poker tracker review groups our q a the opa on tuesday night the seminar um the fun country opa there's just a million fun ways to get involved here at rec poker uh join us for free go to rec.poker all it takes is an email address and a smile to sign up for a free account and if you want to go premium we'll take that 15 dollars a month that pledge makes a big difference helps us with everything we do over here um and uh and we actually i see we got a few new premium members um, that I haven't quite finalized the details with a few folks that won some seats in on Twitter and a couple other new premium members as well. So we're off to a big start here in 2023. I can't wait to make some new friends and see some new smiling faces around here. So without further ado, uh, thanks to all the wonderful folks on YouTube here, including uh, some of our new uh, new joiners, Jay Fleming in particular. Great to get a question in there. Um, Evil Roy, Mary, Roger, uh, the RRCCC, Eric, Stu, uh, Martha, a lot of fun folks in there. Of course, um, uh, Angela for being a fantastic guest and talking to us about fun and poker and her amazing year in this game that we love. Um, Kim, Rob, Keith, John, and Chris. And of course, uh, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. We couldn't do it without them, and we couldn't do it without you, the listeners. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. 